you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. On this edition of Animation Deliberation, we're back to cover episode 7 of Amazon Prime's Invincible. We need to talk, so you could say we need to talk about we need to talk. All that right after this. How does that song go again? All right. It's animation, deliberation, conversation, and a celebration of a favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we are back, folks, and uh, it's another exciting installment of Invincible, and we're excited to dive right into it. So I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and joining me again is the man that you just heard Sing that beautiful song, Zuhair Ali. What's up, buddy? Hello, the coffee's kicking in and the jitters are ready to record. Cool, cool. And back with us is Mr. Nathaniel Muzzy. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Once again, just happy to uh, be talking about this series with you guys. Uh, Another great one. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, We are excited to dive right into it. But before we do that, uh, we do have another five-star review Zuhair, what you got? That we do. As usual, always appreciate the feedback. Uh, this one is from its.just.k. I'm new to the animated shows, and I'm so happy for this show. J. Scotty and Zoo are so knowledgeable, down-to-earth, and funny. Makes it such a fun and easy listen, regardless of your level of history with the character of the comics. Just finished Season 1 of Young Justice and can't wait to start Season 2, but I'm forcing myself to take a break and catch up on Invincible so I can get up to date with this awesome podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Awesome, awesome. I believe that was uh, Jess Kamai, so awesome to have her her listen and support us. Uh, Yeah, we really appreciate that feedback, and with that five-star review in mind, uh, we do have a great opportunity for everybody listening there. If you will leave us a five-star review... Uh, we've actually, um, you know, leaned into our partnership with the network that we're a part of, the Stranded Panda Network, and we're doing a t-shirt giveaway. So um, all the reviews that we receive in the next week will go into a drawing, and uh, the winner will be announced soon. So uh, if you want to get a shirt, it's going to be one of the Stranded Panda shirts, or if you're familiar with the MCU podcast, they've been generous enough to offer one of the shirts where you get Matt Carroll as Star-Lord with Jeff Randall as Drax, so... Definitely a nice little keepsake there. With that uh, housekeeping out of the way, gentlemen, we need to talk. Am I right? Absolutely. Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just right off the bat, for me, this episode in terms of shock and awe and the level of of action we got and the way it was depicted took me right back to episode one. Um, You know, Omni-Man just completely wrecks shop the majority of the episode uh, the show is called Invincible, but we really did not get to spend that much time with the title character just because so many things had to happen in this episode. Uh, and here's here's your spoiler warning, but uh, do you guys just want to give your, your overall thoughts and feel free to, to spoil. Go for it. I mean, real quick, I want to I just want to say that it was great how it started off with a lot of the verbal tension. We see the tension between Amber and Mark. We see the tension between Omni-Man and Debbie. Um, how uh, Cecil is kind of looking at everything. And uh, there was a lot of the, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it was a good buildup for a little more than half the episode. And then all that that, uh, soda can shaking exploded towards the end because everything just went wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the robot storyline and Omni-Man storyline simultaneously. And it, it did a really good job of just kind of like, building up that tension and just like you sitting there with your jaw dropped for the last 20 minutes yeah agreed yeah i i felt a hundred percent the same way uh you know it, it brought together a lot of threads that we've been seeing throughout the other episodes um mm-hmm. and then though when those things came together it was just like a mix of explosive chemicals it was just action at the end which was super fun super oh, well yeah. put together 
and uh, really sets the stage for a very like interesting and I- I'm gonna guess heartbreaking last episode for the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild thinking there's only one episode left. Yeah, it, it hurts is, my yeah. heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really has been just a such a blast to look forward to the show every Friday, and that it really does have has done a great job of. Uh, it's a show called Invincible, but in a short amount of time, we're only seven episodes in. I've talked about how we've gotten a really keen understanding for how this world functions and um, how pretty much anything is is possible. But the show has also done such an excellent job of endearing us to so many characters outside of the title character. And, uh, you know, chief among those is, uh, you mentioned Robot. He he definitely got some significant development in this episode. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys you guys called it on the uh, on the affection towards Monster Girl. I thought it was more of like a, a friendship type thing, but nah, he's he's digging her. Yeah, still creepy though, right? <laughs> still <laughs> creepy. I know she's like twenty seven <laughs> or something, and he says he's yeah. thirty. So it, right. I guess it's not creepy, but it's still creepy, right? Oh, I'm a totally 30 year old genius in a teenager's body. This was the first episode where I was like, you know what? Rexplode is right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Jason Manzuka's um, acting a lot, and he just nailed it in this. The way he was flipping out over. It's like, yeah. what? Why the fuck did you pick childhood me? <laughs> Just how over yeah, you're how much he over exaggerates everything. It's so so good. Like I needed more of his dialogue and him just freaking out over it because it's he had every right to do so, but he just nailed that role so perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like that line that you were bringing up, Muzzy. What was it? Uh, you're ruining my childhood, and that's pretty tough because it was already ruined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all, all, yeah. Jason Manzukis was was incredible, and and like you said, Rex has been such a a prickly character, but he's always been one of the most in- entertaining anytime he's on screen. And even when it's just goofy stuff like uh, when they bring out the booze and it's all in milk cartons, yeah. And like, yeah, he's tells Monster Girl, he's like, "Do you know me at all?" They're they're filled with beer. And it's, the other two are just like, "Yeah, you should have seen how much milk he wasted." <laughs> Like, why couldn't you have been that productive in training? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that character is growing on me. Like, the first couple episodes. And he's supposed to be an asshole. But I was like, yeah, uh, he's an asshole. So, like, I, I, you know, less is more with that character. But, like, Jason Menzuka is really, like, he's so funny. And, like, yeah, it's just yeah. won me over. You can't not love anything he's in. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely curated a nice uh, body of work for himself in a relatively short amount of time. The first time I was exposed to him was uh, in the league on FX. But Same. That's... Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a whole. I think it was Parks and Rec for me. Okay, okay. But uh, you mentioned him being an asshole, and how we're kind of like getting to, I guess appreciate him a little bit more for lack of a better word but in the same like on the other side of the coin as we were wondering you know robot is he a creeper or what but the other aspect of his personality is that he's a little bit of an asshole as well because he just straight up betrays the maulers right yeah yeah like the the impression i'm getting from robot is he's like the least trustworthy person in the whole series and that includes Omni-Man, who murdered the original Guardians Ooh. of the Globe. Huh. Yeah, well, I mean, you get the reaction from Rex, which is obviously pretty pretty animated like that, but none of the, the Guardians are, are cool with it. I mean, Samson says you didn't even ask permission, which is kind of a nice... It's kind of like, as we, the audience, are becoming more sympathetic with Rex, Samson is as well. And then... uh Monster Girl had the nice exchange with I won't I guess nice is kind of a bad way to put it but it was an interesting exchange in which she's like you know I get my head beat in, beat in by a alien cat and I'm in a coma for weeks same thing happens to you and you get your powers back 
And she also had the dialogue of like, yeah, I'm going to need to think on this a little bit, but then starts like holding his hand too. So it's like, oh yeah, that was a good, she, yeah, she good understands call. how it's like morally wrong for what he did. But at the same time, she's trying to like hide her flattery of like how much she appreciates that, that that happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, d- I did like how during that whole scene when like Rex was kind of blowing up on him, the way they frame the shot is like, Rex wasn't even his body was just kind of in the way and she was just like peeking out from behind yeah. it and you could see like it was the first time I kind of noticed how green her eyes were and then it made me notice that the body that uh Rudy made for himself actually had green eyes whereas the original Rex Splode has more of like brown or amber eyes. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. I don't, that might just be a a small detail. I don't know if it's going to have any significance, but I have to have to imagine he was somewhat inspired by Monster Girl. I mean, this this whole endeavor has been inspired by her. So yeah. yeah, it's so freaky how she was like, yeah, you you tend to find Rex more attractive. That's why I picked his body. I'm like, creeper. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it it comes to me maybe untrustworthy isn't the right way to describe Robot, but hmm. uh, what I would say is he seems to believe that the ends justify the means. And yes. he's willing to cross any boundary to to reach an ends, and I think that makes him very dangerous. Yes, mm. I agree. Yeah, it makes me wonder what executive calls is he going to make in the future? What information is he going to compartmentalize for the greater good? Because yeah, he he clearly thinks that he is the the smartest person in the room, and a lot of times he has been. But uh, does that make him, you know? Yeah, the end all be all, and is he a good judge? Well, that's the question. How far is he from being Da Sinclair? You know, good point. Yeah, it definitely made me think of him. And then we got the return of him, which was surprising given what happened to him last episode. I was kind of surprised, but we, I guess we have talked about the advanced medical capabilities in this world. Uh, but they did use his. Uh, there's a name for him as well, and I, I was it reanimate or something Re-animate. like that yeah so his reanimates were attacking omni-man there was when i first saw them i actually thought that they were like chimp versions of the reanimates yeah but they're they're dead soldiers yeah pretty twisted yeah i mean i i cringe just seeing them again when they came out of those pods i was like oh no i don't want to look at that again and there's like Soldiers who aren't done, like, fighting for their country or whatever yeah, dialogue they gave. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, there's yeah. something there's viscerally still, There's gross. still robo-zombies. Yeah. Oh, there's just something viscerally gross and wrong about it. Like, and, like, it, it seems like a lot like Robot, Cecil is uh and justifies the means kind of guy. Sure, sure. Yeah, I definitely got Nick Fury vibes in the fact that D.A. Sinclair was was sitting right there and and being allowed to have any level of freedom given what he subjected these people to. I mean, we did get that scene with William and uh, Mark where he was worried about Rick, you know, the first first guy he actually hit it off with and something terrible like this happens and he's really concerned, like, is he ever going to be himself again? Yeah. That's the easiest paycheck Ezra Miller's ever done. Just have to go onto a short... funny yeah i like that um uh cecil was actually like i can't even look at your face like i hate that i have to work with you right now but this is how serious the situation is right right yeah it gave him a little bit of a a redeeming quality and i will say just on the character of cecil i I gave walton goggins a little flack on our initial coverage but um i he's really grown on me and especially kind of the the context that we're given about how he's been operating this entire time, he's been, he's been, you know, we've known that he's had a lot on his, on his plate in terms of the information that he's got, but the restraint that he's, he's chosen to show. And, you know, he tells Nolan, like, I'm a really good liar, but you're even better. And just the betrayal that he feels. And, you know, Debbie talks about how hurt she is. And they actually have a moment where, like, they relate. Like, he actually considered Omni-Man a, a, friend. F- a friend at one point in time, which is yeah, pretty sad. 
uh, speaking of a lot on his plate, rest in peace, Donald Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. That was a badass way to go with little reward. Yeah, it was a noble end for the character, but uh, it kind of reminds me of Muzzy. You'll you'll appreciate this given your recent Binger's run with Kong Skull Island. You had that uh, oh, yeah. that one guy sacrifice himself trying to take out the the queen's uh, skull crawler. Oh yeah, and he just the tail just whips him into the side of the mountain and he explodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely similar vibes there. But the character had, had kind of shown himself to be. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I, I, like his interactions with Damien Darkblood and whatnot. He seemed a little squeamish and not fully up to the task. But you know, I, I'm I'm glad he was actually able to be given somewhat of a, a noble end. Yeah, yeah. I I love that character for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it further solidifies how ruthless Nolan has become, and I have to give. Uh, credit to J.K. Simmons. We've talked about some of the other uh, voice actors and whatnot, but he really does such an excellent job of just delivering the detached nature of this character. Like, he really seems baffled by the fact that Debbie doesn't have full trust in him. We were talking about trust earlier, and that's definitely a theme of of this series and, and this episode especially. So... Do you guys have any thoughts on why Nolan did it? Because I'm becoming more convinced that there's a Viltrumite invasion coming. And like he was supposed to clear the way. Because he says uh, it'll work out for him and Debbie and Mark. But he doesn't yeah. say everyone. And yeah, so... And there's almost, yeah, there's almost a, a level of concern there. Like, listen to me so that we can be okay because I actually do care about you guys. And then there was another, I think it might have been when he was giving his little practice speech to what he was going to say to Mark. Um, when he says he kills the, kills, uh, excuse me, when he says he killed the Guardians, but that he had to, it was like his responsibility. I think that's the first time we've heard that. Well, and there's a moment when he, uh, is it the Flaxels, Flaxons? that uh Flax, flaxons yeah that invade and he goes into their dimension oh, there's yeah. a moment where he says you need to understand that earth is not yours to conquer that's a right and yeah. i think there might be a double meaning to that it, it, he seems to have genuine emotion like despite how shitty he is to everyone like i kind of feel for nolan and that's like all the credit in the world to jk simmons yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I guess a, a character that we haven't uh, really highlighted too much, and they were given limited screen time in addition to, you know, Mark himself being given li limited screen time, is uh, one of, I think, one of the characters that we've all, you know, said at one point in time is, is one of our favorites, and that's Adam Eve. So she's she's still doing her thing in terms of, you know, she's got this treehouse. She's still decided to dedicate herself to saving lives and and improving areas and and you know people that are usually not given the focus of of these superheroes so there it's really interesting to see how far she's come in this new role and how that kind of puts her at in opposition to some of the things Mark is saying and for me it's this is kind of the second episode in a row that I found Mark to be one of the more unlikable characters in the show. Would, do you guys agree with that at all? Yeah, I think Mark is kind of... Mar Mark is very much being a high school boy and, like, sure, sure. just not getting it, not understanding that, like, hey, just because you're a superhero, that doesn't give you a free pass to hurt people. And in the show's defense, they address that, you know... William tells him that, and then Eve tells him that, mm -hmm. and Amber mm -hmm. tells him that, and like yeah. I, I think like that's maybe you know where he's gonna have to grow or like where he'll final finally learn that lesson is that's what his dad does. His dad puts the emotional health of other people and the physical health, obviously, uh, sure. as a second tier to him doing what he thinks is heroic 
And I, I think maybe what we're going to get is that's where Mark breaks. Mark has learned his lesson that there are things that are more important than being a superhero. Yeah, he 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 talks about, you know, getting everything that he wanted and, and basically throwing it all away. And that's what, like, kind of puts him at rock bottom. And that's kind of what makes him be able to, to relate to Eve at all in the first place. And it just kind of goes to sh- show his privilege. Like, we saw it really showcased in that episode with Machine Head and Titan. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's he's very much a teenage boy. And Invincible is such a, an appropriate name, not just given his power set, but, but kind of the way that he sees himself and that the way that so many teenagers do. So it it is nice to get some of that teenage angst and those lessons that have to be learned. Uh, and it, it's, it, it's not all resolved in, in, in one episode. It's, it's a character journey that he has to go on, but I'm super glad that he has, you know, strong, not just strong characters, but strong female characters, not only Eve, but also his mom to kind of, you know, set him on the right course especially when he's got a dad like omni-man yeah well and amber amber did him a favor by dumping him you know like it's one of those things where it's like i i think at some point in time everyone's had to have tough love and and like that's what amber gave him is like hey yeah i knew who you were and it sucked that you lied to me about it yeah yeah I actually I really appreciated that as well because especially in the last episode, um, as much as I loved it, I having having only the information that we had at that episode, I was a little disappointed in the fact that William was able to recognize Mark, but that Amber wasn't able to put two and two together. Like, hey, this guy just ran off and then Invincible showed up. But so it it just made everything work better in retrospect. The fact that she knew all the time. And that was adding to what made her so upset. And it makes her more sympathetic because had she just gotten upset, again, she's a character that would be very easy to make unlikable. But I'm glad that they're giving her the the proper nuance and and giving her justice and making her her gripes, you know. Her grievances are well-founded. Well-founded, yeah. Legitimate, that's a good word for it. Um, You're talking about Will recognizing him reminded me of one of my favorite lines uh, from from this episode. When Uh, when Mark tells him that his dad's Omni-Man, he goes, how did I never (laughs) see that before? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) William got some of the best scenes um, in this episode. That exchange was really great. I loved his analogy of the samurai warrior that had already been cut in half and didn't yeah. realize it and then he proceeds to eat the bottom half of the burger anyway <laughs> uh, yeah like i'm quickly growing fond of william and if they kill him i'm gonna be upset Ooh, i hadn't even thought about that i don't think they'll kill don't him this season me. yeah fingers crossed oh man i like how like he's he knows that it's omni-man but he goes Oh my god, Omni-Man. I mean, Mr. Grayson. Like, no. It was supposed to be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and just that whole interaction of him approaching him and just going like, So, where's my son? It's like, oh, he's not here. Where is he? Where's his phone? And this uh, happened. It's yeah. like, oh, we got attacked. And it's like, I don't he, care that you guys got attacked. I have to Where jump in he? a little bit. Like, Omni-Man comes out of the gate, like, angry. Like, he just said, like, in the way they animate the expression on his face, face the entire time like mm-hmm. i was pretty scared for william yeah. he's like where's mark and i'm like why is he coming at william like this is he not worried about you know jeopardizing his appearance and it's like you were supposed to bring him home an hour ago so <laughs> i he, i really have to wonder like what william's it, in that it, moment what what he was actually thinking because i think he was one of the people it kind of like flashed around at the end there i mean uh we'll get to it in further detail here but immortals back in the picture and so obviously the show ended with uh omni-man killing him again but this time in front of quite a few people and i want to say william might have been one of the people that saw that happen yeah i don't know for sure they showed him on his phone in the car watching okay cool not to defend omni-man but he had just been blown up (laughs) (laughs) he makes a comment about that too he's like you look like you were recently on fire that's right (laughs) I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. 
that's that's definitely adding to his uh, irritability there. <laughs> and then after being blown up, dude, that hammer was awesome. Oh, it was cool. Yeah, he was like, "You," he's like, "Don't you dare!" Yeah. Whoa! You see like birds falling out of the sky, and like, I mean, I felt really bad for like the farmlands and everything because. Oh, yeah. Not only had he just worked on that, but that's, like, people's properties and lives and all that at stake. And he's just, like, what was it? It's, like, four, $400 billion project was the most expensive nosebleed in history. Yeah. Right. Yeah, all that for a nosebleed. Man. Yeah. Should we recount what they throw at Omni-Man in this episode? Because it is kind of impressive, like, everything. So it started with the stealth soldiers oh, and then the house scene. blowing up. Yeah. And then, then it was the hammer. Well, we got the reanimates before that, right? Uh, were they before or after the hammer? No, Cecil came after the hammer, I believe. Okay, so the reanimate were before after the hammer. Either way, they both yeah. both the hammer and the reanimate, then Cecil. Yeah. Then the hail mary. Uh, was right, it? Right, like, right, we, right. we took and away then, the pain center and yeah and, and then finally the immortal shows up uh, you know it's like it, it re- like they they go out of their way to show you how strong omni-man is yeah uh yeah he really goes through quite a gauntlet and uh that hail mary just to just to describe the creature a little bit because I thought it was a wonderful creature design. I don't know if that was pulled right out of the comic or not. That's not um, something I've learned. Oh, the teeth! Yeah, it was super cool. Very Lovecraftian. I got yeah. Cthulhu vibes, but it's it's basically like a um, quadruped creature, not unlike a like a giraffe or something like that. But it basically just opens up into a big tentacle head. But when the tentacles fully rise, you find this like almost like rabbit like rodent buck-like teeth structure that opens more into like a sarlacc uh pit throat so just a lot of stuff and it's got all the diamonds uh, going across its back so just a lot going on but uh the action was super well well done even with all the tentacles going on everywhere i was like it all it all made sense and just super well done and a lot of fun to watch i did take note that uh mark is the one that kills it by himself yes yes Correct. Which, yeah, because at that point in time, Nolan's locked in battle with a mortal. So I wonder if... I, I've always wondered why Mark isn't as strong as his dad, and it might just be immaturity, but maybe mm. he's not, like, tapping into his full potential either. Um, yeah. I'm curious, be. like, like are, are, is this a Saiyan sort of thing? <laughs> well, well, I, we I had... think it's the near-death experiences that have made him a little better now. He's not yeah. as cocky as he was when we first saw him. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Well... We've seen it a couple of times, and uh, I think the last time we saw it was back in that Machine Head episode. But I, I know in episode two, when Adam Eve was about to be taken out by the the Flax on General, he does that you know scream, and it, it is kind of it is very reminiscent of a of a Saiyan just having this energy pulse emanate from within. And then again, he did it uh, with Machine Head's mercenaries, but thankfully, it, the it, screams kept within a couple of seconds and not five episodes what's that now <laughs> i said thankfully the scream stayed within a couple of seconds and not five episodes like Jack. Oh. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> For a second there, I thought that was a, a Snyder Cut gig, uh, dig, but then I, I realized you were, you were going back to DBZ. Oh, no, that fits too. <laughs> <laughs> While we, we've kind of, t- we were talking about, you know, the Hail Mary, the Leviathan creature, but then also the the big threat during that entire battle, especially, well, only for Omni Man because he's not a threat to Mark, is immortal. So I think it's worth mentioning, backpedaling a little bit and talking about how immortal is even in the picture right now. So uh, we talked about the Maulers and their arrangement with Robot and how he does eventually betray them. And it looks like he was, you know, on route to do exactly what he said he was going to do, you know, take them right back to prison. He basically tells them this is all a big waste of time. The only reason he stops in that pursuit is because of all the guardians get called um, to go back to headquarters because of the situation with Omni Man. And they call it an apocalypse level threat too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah. It seems like Immortal. The trick is to just put the pieces back together, and it's like, well, why didn't Cecil think of that? And the Muller twins <laughs> answer that question. Cecil's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny because when they were doing the whole brain transfer thing, I love that dialogue as uh, this machine wasn't designed for neurons this dense. And the right. clone was like, are you calling us stupid? I was like, you're doing brain transfers right now. What is stupid about that? And then they're calling other people an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> you, guys, you guys really can't make up your mind of how high you regard yourselves. Yeah, right. But as far as Immortals Resurrection goes, I, I really did like that scene where it kind of flashed back to all his memories oh, yeah. and we got to see what looked like the origin of his powers. It looks like he existed as, as early as like, you know, uh, prehistoric times. It looked like, you know, around the stone age or something like that. And then we see him, you know, medieval times and progressing through history. And it, I noticed that it was almost done more like a, a motion um, comic or like a, a motion mm-hmm. poster or something like that. It was like the, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. It was like the the still yeah. frames with the exactly, uh, the Ken yeah. Burns look scrolling through. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty effective, and I liked the change in in animation style to to pick something was occurring. You know, so yeah, it was a lot more mentally. detailed compared to the the art design that the, the show itself typically has. Yeah, I did have a question. Okay. So we we see a still frame of him in prehistoric times, then him as a knight. Right. Uh, and then we see Abraham Lincoln. Was I he Abraham that. Lincoln? So I let me. I actually have my Amazon Prime still queued up. Let me. I like. I I caught that it was Lincoln. So I was wondering if he was John Wilkes Booth. But I think that John Wilkes Booth was actually convicted. He looks a fair amount like Lincoln. So there may be huh. some evidence there. Yeah, and Lincoln was a strong man. Like, historically. Like, so I, I'm like, because, like, I noticed it on my second watch. Because it's like, okay, there's Immortal, there's Immortal. <laughs> and then I paused it on the Lincoln. And it's Lincoln, Mary Todd, and Booth, I think, are the only people in that picture. So, which one is he? God, could you imagine if it was Lincoln? Like, everybody, like, buried him and had a funeral and all this stuff, okay. and eventually he regenerates and just starts punching through the coffin on the ground? <laughs> so, I've got a pause right here. I've got a lot of confidence that Immortal is Abraham look- Lincoln looking at it right now, because John Wilkes Booth is, is a completely different facial structure. He actually looks a lot more <laughs> like Nolan. He's got the same mustache as Nolan. So, he John Wilkes Booth might have been a Viltrumite. Who knows? <laughs> So, so no, that was yeah. a good catch, though. Yeah, but but it does uh, it does just show like how long lived and like we we know he can come back from death based on that, obviously. Um, so like even even when he gets torn in half in this episode, I, I'm thinking we're going to see more from the immortal. Like maybe not this season, but season two. Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I feel like they need someone to testify against Omni-Man as well. So now that Cecil is seen that he remembers, it's like, wait, we need to get that we need to get that body talking right away. 
Yeah, well, the question is, is what does testifying against Omni-Man do? Right, yeah. I think it goes, I mean, I talked about last episode with the whole, like, public opinion thing, but everybody saw him rip him in half, too, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, there's only headcanon I can think of for reasons to bring him back, aside from needing another strong hero. Because if you have well, to kill Omni-Man, then, like, I imagine you need some, because... I don't think the current Guardians team is really that. No. Like... Formidable. They got torn apart by Battle Beast. Uh, who, I don't know, maybe Battle Beast is as strong as Omni-Man. But uh, mm-hmm. they they certainly didn't do well against him. No, they're they're definitely still finding their groove in a lot of ways. And I think it just goes to show how effective the original Guardians were and how what an elite team they were. And, you know, how the world is a, at a bit of a loss um, without the the aid of a, a hero like Omni-Man. And so that, that initially when the series was first starting out, like, I, I wondered, was that his purpose? Was that his motivation for killing the Guardians is so that he would be the only hero that was needed? But, I, again, that doesn't really make th- that much sense because we know it really only came out when Mark started getting his powers is when what set him on this, on this path anyway. So I don't know, man, we're, we're going to find out next episode. At least I hope so. I hope this, this season doesn't leave off with a cliffhanger, but I will, uh, I will pose the question. Like, what are you guys expecting for the next episode? Do you think we're going to pick up right where we left off here? Are we going to get that conversation between Mark and Nolan? Or do you think we'll get a little bit of a time jump and see people, you know, dealing with things in their own way what are, you, what are you guys expecting so my guess is that omni-man or nolan is gonna tell mark why he did it and there then we get to know too okay. or at least try to explain it and then they're gonna fight and mm-hmm. i think mark i think mark's gonna end up in bad shape and i'm not sure what omni-man's gonna do like, like, what do you do after you fight your son and your wife kicks you out of the house? Like, maybe maybe he just leaves Earth? I don't know. Hmm. I agree with all that. And I also think that either Debbie or Adam Eve could be collateral damage in this. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, I could see that. I hope not. Which I hope it's not Adam Eve, because she's probably my favorite character. Yeah, she's great. I hope it's not Debbie. I love Debbie. <laughs> I know, but if it has to be one of them, I'd rather it be Debbie. Because then, if it, if I mean, if he kills either of them, then that would, like, trigger Mark's, like, sane ability of being angry and being more powerful. So maybe that could, like, enhance the fight scene, or, again, I don't want it to happen, but, like, for prediction's sake, that's a possibility. Do you think... Is, and I, I said it before, I, th- I think it's pretty obvious that there is going to be some kind of confrontation between Mark and Nolan in this in this final episode. Do you think it's going to be entirely one-on-one, or do you think we will see any of these other side characters that we've, we've mentioned, you know, join the fray? Obviously, Adam Eve joining the fray would certainly put her in that, that, that position to, to have that potentially happen to her. But I'm wondering about the other, the other Guardians, or even somebody like, you know, Robot, um, now that he's got his new body and we've seen what he can do with that neural link and um, we saw the biggest version of one of his drones we've seen yet with that uh, that truck transformer. So I and actually it, said robot roll out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for giant robots, so I, I love that moment. But uh, honestly, and, and feel free to disagree with me on this. But Gladly. Does Robot, like, having a kid's body seem to make him more vulnerable? Because that's the opinion I got. Like, like he used to, like, hide away his body and just transmit. If he's going to, like, just have that kid's body out on the battlefield all the time now, that seems like a big, giant, glowing, weak spot. What's stopping him from keeping that persona of him just staying at base and the robots doing the missions well that's that i don't know but like that's that's what i'm wondering 
there seems to yeah. be a range. So, like, what I'm wondering is, was that garbage truck, like, always nearby when, like, his drones were around? Uh, are, we, are you talking about when, uh, we, they, so it basically transitioned from when the, the robot drone was standing still and then you get the, the garbage truck that rolls into the Mahler Twins facility? Yeah, but, like, in previous scenes, like, I'm wondering in the first episode, like, how far away was his actual physical body back then? Oh, I, I okay, yeah, uh, now I understand why you're saying that, because I kind of forgot that, that that garbage truck was what was housing his uh, his malformed body. Yeah, no, that's a, a good point, yeah, I, I'm not, not too sure about that. I imagine it would have to be within some kind of proximity, but I, I have no idea what that range is. But even when he was with the Mahler twins, there was a drone at the headquarters. Yeah, but it was glitching but, out because it was so far away. Oh, right. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I think that's such a minor thing, but I, I'm wondering if yeah. that's like a detail a guy can pick up when when you rewatch, you know. Which yeah. I, I'm looking forward to rewatching this series like after next episode. And oh, just, yeah. like, trying to catch all these things I, I know I missed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Because... Uh, I mean, it's, it just oh, speaks to the... Yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it just speaks to the stellar quality of the show. Yeah. I'm I'm certainly looking forward to doing the same thing, seeing all the little hints and um, every, all the seeds that were planted for where we've gotten in, in such a short amount of time. And I think, in retrospect, this episode will be one of my, my favorite episodes just because of so much that that happened and so many of the answers we finally got especially with with the robot and i mean we've been talking about him a lot but he he deserves it i mean outside of nolan really being put through that gauntlet that we referred to this really is you know robots episode in a lot of ways yeah you got me really thinking about when robot was up in the mountain to get that flower like how close was he to that then oh yeah that's a good point too maybe it was because Maybe he kept his body, like, near a high power antenna most of the time, and he was glitching hmm. out because he moved it to the garbage truck. That's I like that headcanon. I can work with that. Yeah. Or he was focused on that fight so much that he didn't care about the drone that was just there for show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, he kept the, he focused the bandwidth right next to him. <laughs> no, that's uh, There's actually uh, some credence there, too, because we had that... Um... I can't remember which episode it was, but it was when, you know, Robot had recently become the leader of the Guardians and they were walking down that corridor and Rex like, hello, what's going on? And that's when we got that really nice transition from the, you know, inside view of Robot to the Mahler Twins cloning facility. Hmm. But one last little thing I want to say about Robot is uh, Zachary Kinto has done such an excellent job voicing him, but I... I do like the fact that they changed the voice actor now that he's in a new body even the robot drones that are voiced I meant by to him, ask that thank you for clarifying yeah I, I was I was curious about that be uh, and and I guess I never looked I wasn't sure if they were uh, kind of tone shifting one of either uh, the explosion uh, voice actor or Zachary Kinto. Um, or if it was someone new, but like, I, I appreciate it being someone new if it's going to be this teenage boy. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's Ross Marquand, Marquand, the same guy that does Immortal. He also did Aquarius, Aquarius. Um, he's from the walking dead. He did uh red skull and infinity war and Endgame. He's oh, a pretty oh. prolific, uh, voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Like there's some range doing teenage boy robot and immortal. Yeah, he does. He does great impressions. Uh, if you just ever have some time and you're bored and looking on YouTube, I, re- I highly recommend just checking out some of the stuff he does because he's really creative with it too. Like he tells an entire stories with like multiple characters, and yeah, it's really entertaining guy. So they have certainly got. We've we've talked about it a lot, but yeah, they they've gotten the best talent from all across the board. You know, Robert Kirkman is obviously a, a really talented dude in terms of creating the source material, but. I do appreciate the writing here and how they've been able to zig where I expected them to zag and whatnot. And then, of course, the the animation has been stellar. So, do you gentlemen have anything else you want to say, or do you need to talk about anything else? And we need to talk. I have a couple little things. Okay, what you got? Um, 
Nolan grabbing the dude's spine instead of just straight up killing him was really oh. ugh. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. don't do it. He just like crushes it and like Oh yeah, that was that was hard to watch. Um, I loved how petty Monster Girl was when she came in. She was like, "Yeah, just almost die for the world, and nobody even greets me or throws me a party or anything." And there's a party. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. petty kid. <laughs> um, I thought the coin toss between the Mahler twins was hilarious because that body was disgusting, and they just yeah. kept saying, "It's like <laughs> you lost the coin toss, so you got to move them, you got to do this, you got to do that." I was just like, Ugh, "It's squishing so much. Why?" Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, um, I've really liked how they bring in the Invincible title card, but that was probably the weakest one they've done. Yeah, it was what uh, Cecil and Debbie talking. He's like, where's Mark? Where's yeah. Invincible? Yeah, yeah they, like did do a, they did do kind of a pump fake on it earlier because, yeah. like, Mark, Mark runs to the door after Amber and he goes, I'm, I'm, and you're expecting the title card and she just slams the door on him. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good call too because, uh, he gets to utter, he gets to do the I in, he gets to say I'm in because I thought the other way they might have played it. I, he might have been like saying I'm in love with you because, oh, you know, teenage so boys. That's yeah, exactly boys. what I thought. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't I, alone on that. Yeah. yeah, because, like, without fail, every week I forget that's how they do the title card because I'm just so, like, locked into what's happening on screen yeah. that I th- I thought as well he was going to say, I'm in love with you. And then when the title card came up, I was like, why do I always forget this is a thing? Like, I don't like how they did that one, but I always forget it's a thing like, before <laughs> it happens. And, and I think that makes sense, too, because it, it is very much what he's doing. Like, I'm trying to put myself back in that, like, teenage boy headspace and like mm-hmm. i feel like if i was like really crazy about a girl that that's something i would have done as a last last ditch effort if i messed up i'd be like i love you in hopes of, of getting her back and that's basically what he does with revealing to her that he's invincible yeah it's and that's part of the reason that she's so upset and yeah adam eve calls him on calls him out on it too like i didn't tell you to string her along for five months and be an asshole i figured you'd figure that out for yourself yeah God, her like... character is so wholesome yeah, just, like, great tough love moments for Mark in this episode. And, mm-hmm. like, Mark doesn't get to do a lot in this episode. Well, he yeah, fights the Hail Mary. But, like, overall, it's, like, he's seeking advice and, and he's immature. So when he gets the advice he needs and doesn't like it, he moves on. Uh yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want advice. He wants somebody to tell him that he's right, even though he's yeah, dead. yeah. We we've talked about it a little bit how, and the tough love is the is the perfect example. But even as I was talking about how like Adam Eve has become more, not that she was ever unlikable, but I've just become more and more endeared to her. But mm-hmm. there was that conversation where she's talking about the reasons that she went out there to to find herself and figure out who she wanted to be, and she's doing that to kind of you know help Mark understand that maybe he needs to do the same thing. But his response, like, really rubbed me the wrong way, and I could tell it rubbed her the wrong way, too. He, like, answers for her. He's like, you came out here to get away from Rex and the whole superhero thing. And it's like, dude, who yeah. do you think you are telling her why she came out here? Like, get well, over yourself. Yeah, he he's talking about how he's going to quit being invincible and how miserable his life is, and yeah. that, and basically says, well, that's why you quit. And she's like, I didn't quit. Right, right. Yeah, and like I saved more people in three days than I ever did with three years with the teen team, and right. and I think that's a super important point. Like that the show is making is how superheroes behave isn't the optimal way for for the use of powers like Adam Eve's, sure, or, or sure. Invincibles. Yeah. It's wasted punching people. Like yeah, all true. the good they can do, and like Adam. Adam Eve is the only one it seems like that has figured it out. Yeah, I I totally agree, and that's probably oh, without a doubt that's one of the reasons that she's so likable and relatable. Her morning routine, I envy so much. <laughs> it's like to just be able to like reconstruct Adam so that you don't have to shower, and like the way she was sitting on top of the roof with her coffee and the wind blowing the sun rising i was like man that like you really have it figured out for yourself right now that is amazing yeah mm-hmm. it's like totally nailed it 
Yeah, who wouldn't yeah. want that? Yeah, yeah. She's she's got a sweet setup and one of the coolest power sets out there. So awesome character and kudos again to Gillian Jacobs for bringing her to life. Don't you kill her, Robert Kirkman? Don't you Don't do, you it. do it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think that's going to bring uh, things to an end for this coverage of uh, Episode 7, We Need to Talk. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Animation Deliberation. It was an absolute pleasure to dive into this uh, excellent episode of Invincible, Episode 7, We Need to Talk, uh, for the Animation Deliberation podcast. I'm your host, J. Scotty St. Clair. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Scott for Real, Instagram j scotty for real that's j-o that's excuse me that's j-s-c-o-t-t-y number four r-e-e-l and please go to strandedpanda.com and follow all the wonderful things that the stranded panda network's doing we've got the youtube channel youtube.com slash stranded panda as well as the twitch channel where we do live podcasts trivia a lot of great things going on there and that's uh twitch.tv slash stranded panda tv Gentlemen, anything to plug? Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be coming out, but I am going to be uh, um, guesting on the Superhero Ethics podcast. We're going to talk about the ethics of Godzilla from the cool. recent Legendary Monsterverse. Hmm, sweet. Yeah, we'll look definitely look forward to that. You did a great job on, on Bingers, so look forward to catching you there as well. And lastly, for all of you on Twitter, hit us up at AnimationDelib1, the number one. Uh, if you want to give us any feedback or reactions, you can email us at AnimationDeliberationPodcast at gmail.com. We only have one mm-hmm. episode left, so we'd love to hear your feedback and how you reacted yep. to a lot of these gut-wrenching moments. Please. And we just want to uh, share share your thoughts with the world, so feel feel free to get in touch with us. Yeah, yeah, th- thanks for doing that. We definitely want to get your feedback. Like as you here said, this is the final episode here, so please join us in the conversation. We'd love to be able to read your your thoughts and your predictions and where you want to see Season 2 go on air. That'd be great. Uh, and then I just want to take this opportunity to remind you guys that we are doing that uh, five-star review contest. If you participate by giving us a five-star review, uh, you will be entered in the chance to win a T-shirt. So please take advantage of that. Thanks, guys. Stay whelmed. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance of what hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the line's being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.